Um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <coughs> others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah, I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid. Hey, what's up? It's State of the Revolution, the Michigan Progressive Podcast. I'm Benjamin Klon. Today joining us, we've got Zachary Reinhardt. We've got uh, Joseph Hardy, Alex Sahori. And uh, for the first time on this program, we've got uh, Ricky Reynolds joining us. Welcome, Ricky. Hi. Welcome. Excited to have you. We're coming to you from the studios at The Fledge in Lansing, Michigan. As we tape this, it is Sunday, September 29th, and thanks for joining us this week. So as you heard in the cold open to this episode, uh, that was uh, former Vice President Joe Biden in a discussion panel hosted by the Council on Foreign Relations back in January of 2018, uh, where he basically bragged about uh, threatening to withhold uh, loan guarantees to the Ukraine uh, if they didn't get rid of a prosecutor that just so happened to be investigating an energy company for corruption that just so happened to have the vice president's son on its board. Um, I think it's just like so normalized in that like super elite like culture that they just don't like recognize that they're like literally admitting to crimes. Right. You know, while being recorded, like, you know, Trump did the same thing. Exactly. Well, this is at the, this is at the Council of Foreign Relations, and that's kind of like their MO is bragging about doing crimes. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> they need to change the name and make it a little more clear. <laughs> they love their war crimes at the Council of Foreign Relations. Well, I just, I think it's really funny that uh, the line in the sand that we're drawing on Trump is over him uh, trying to pressure Ukraine into doing something for him by threatening to withhold money when we have fucking Joe Biden who just like bragged about doing the same exact thing. <laughs> well, actually he has been withholding the money, which is actually funny. Like they he this money was actually supposed to go through um like weeks ago. I think uh I think it I think the first time he started like I think the call was actually even made like after the Mueller report, I think isn't that right? I think it happened like a day after the yeah. uh, after Mueller's testimony. Trump's just calling everyone. Just <laughs> I need something. Like, <laughs> right. calling, calling every president in Eastern Europe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the funny thing about it is he's sort of right. Like I mean, I'm not trying to say that like it's right for him to uh, withhold the money to Ukraine because you know that's uh, allotted money from Congress and that's a br- kind of breach of the presidential uh, powers right there. But at the same time, like Joe Biden's, he, he was the vice president's son, and he wasn't in Ukraine. Hunter Biden? Hunter Biden. Yeah, the, Hunter Biden. He he he's like he wasn't doing anything in Ukraine for that oil company. He was sitting in uh, Delaware, the, wherever he fucking lives. And fucking just raking in cash for free, basically, just because he's the vice president's son. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good fucking question. What the fuck was Hunter Biden doing on the board of a Ukrainian energy company? With zero, like, oil energy experience at all. Or right. Ukrainian experience. Or Ukrainian experience. We'll take one or the other. Or he's they, just the vice president's son, that's all. Yeah, Did they just both? need someone on their board who was, like, addicted to crack or something? <laughs> well, and the crazy thing is, is uh, somebody of the equivalent position working at Exxon mobile so hunter biden was making fifty thousand dollars a month and uh at exxon the person in the same position was making thirty thousand dollars a month and they were like you know actually qualified in you know like they had like degrees in like fossil fuel extraction sciences so it's like clearly this is something where it's just like throw money at it and we'll get like 
benefits from the U.S. It's, it's well, no, it's okay. I mean, uh, my thought, my thoughts on this are that uh, someone in the equivalent position at Exxon Mobil would be in Trump's cabinet. Um, yeah, right. The Secretary of Energy, perhaps. You know. Yeah, like uh, Rick. Rick, uh, what is it, Rick, Rick uh, Perry. Yeah, Rick yeah. Perry, right now. Perry. In control also, of the news. You know, we have. God, why do you have to remind me? I have to with Tillerson sleep. as well. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? Well, there was Tiller, you know. I mean, uh, yeah. We'll return to this, I think, when we talk about the Department of Labor later. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. You, you, you probably don't. Well, I mean, so uh, House Speaker Pelosi has finally uh, agreed to start impe- an impeachment inquiry. Slay Queens! And not a moment too soon. <laughs> <laughs> um. I guess every. I mean, everyone's fucking speculating on this, but where where do you guys think this is gonna go? Uh, I've I have very. Well, I mean, it's like a it's a pretty good case, but at the same time, like they also limited the case to only Ukraine and are not touching anything else. Which yeah, is like, which is just absolutely insane. That, yeah, that's like com- completely stupid. I mean, I mean when when uh, Congress was drafting art- articles of impeachment against Nixon, they they didn't just include Watergate; like they included like the shit the he did in like Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there was like tons and tons of stuff included on that. I mean, and that's what you have to do in a broad investigation like this is like sweep out everything because there's going to be more information to come. Right. Yeah. I think, I feel like, um, it is a complete mistake to, you know, focus on uh, this stuff. If, uh, you know, the Democrats were smart. I mean, you know, they would claim, Hey, you know, Trump was, uh, uh, campaigning against Saudi Arabia. Now, uh, they're giving him a whole bunch of money via his hotels and he's vetoing our weapons, uh, our, our weapons cancellation, uh, the, this, the, this, the cancellation of the weapons sales to Saudi Arabia. So, you, you know, like he's impeding or he's like, uh, you know, uh, disregarding, uh, Congress's wishes and he's enriching himself for it. Right. Like that's a clear emoluments case that's clearly talked about in the Constitution. And it clearly uh, passes the bar for, uh, you know, um, high crimes and misdemeanors, in my view. Um, And like, you know, you can go with Puerto Rico. You can go with the concentration camps at the border. You can go with a whole list of things before the people he's fired from positions for not helping him out. Yeah. The James Comey firing. I mean, I fucking hate James Comey, but like that was probably illegal. Yeah. Obstruction of justice for sure. I mean, yeah, yeah none of that's going to happen because he didn't go after someone that's, you know, part of the, you know, the, the, the elite class. As, as we can see, after all this illegal things that are happening, Pelosi, as, as soon as he um, tries to attack Hunter Biden, it's like, OK, now I'm going to go grab my gavel. It's like, what, are, what have you been doing for the past like year and a half? Literally, like not even hype, not even hypothetical, like rhetorical. But what has Pelosi been doing besides just taking pot shots? At like um, AOC, AOC and Rashid, yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing she's been doing. No, forget the squad. We got the CIA spook squad yeah, coming yeah. in, coming in for impeachment. And that's why Pelosi's like, "Oh, we got to do this thing." Yeah. Did everyone uh, see that that god awful CNN segment um, where they're they're talking to was it five five new freshman members of Congress who are like you could pre- probably guess what color they are. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're all fucking white, and they're all like presenting themselves as like the like the anti squad. Basically, what do they call themselves? No, they're leading the badasses. The badasses. They call oh. themselves the badasses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because they're all fucking na- former national security. Yeah, they're all either former, yeah, either former military or like former, you know, CIA national intelligence. Right, including like our own uh, congressional representative uh, here in the eighth district of Michigan, uh, Alyssa Slotkin, who's the ringleader. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> CIA spook Alyssa Slotkin is all like, "Well, I want to be. I don't want to be the loudest voice. I want to be the most effective voice. Unlike those loud brown women." Ah. Do you think that uh, with Slotkin, this is some kind of ground game relative to Rashida? Well, I mean, she's not going to be going up against the Rashida. Yeah. What, but what she does, she definitely, she sees her district as more centrist, which is obviously like fucking stupid. Like that, that's the old conventional wisdom. That's really not how the electorate is. Uh, but yeah, like she believes that kind of stuff. So she's going to try and like create like a division between her and the squad because she perceives her, her district as more centrist. Yeah. 
Which, I think so. She's not. She's she's making it out like you know she's not doing impeachment for for silly reasons. You know, as as like as other people in the squad are. She's doing it for serious reasons. You yeah, know? like protecting Hunter Biden. Yeah. Yeah. Can we also talk about just the the sad pathetic nature of giving yourself your your, your own nickname and like because <laughs> like the, the squad didn't come out like yeah we're the squad like it was just like given to them because they were band together you know by their own policies and you know by their own you know much more radical nature of a approaching electoral politics, but, you know, these, you know, four or five white women, um, you know, who've named themselves the badasses, just the most pathetic thing I've ever heard of. And I can't even name you four out of five of them. Or is it, or is it four? I don't know. They're completely, I think there are five. yeah, they're completely inconsequential. They're late to the party also. Cause if you, if, if anyone's been following national politics, they know that Maxine Waters, you know, uh, a, uh, AOC, Ilhan Omar, you know, all these people have been calling Al green down in Texas. Yeah. All the, people of color. Rashida Tlaib, first day at Washington, D.C., impeached the motherfucker. And she got casted. She got raked over the coals for that. And, like, now, you know, this is this is just like Elvis, uh, you know, uh, quote-unquote, you know, creating rock and roll, you know, Christopher <laughs> Columbus discovering America, you know, all this is like, oh, wow, you know, there are already, there are already brown people here, but they don't matter. You know, it, this was our idea, which is just, you know, just so typical. So are you are any of you guys familiar of the process of how the whistle got blown on this? It's actually quite interesting. Um so typically Trump actually uh you know, he does these like private calls with foreign readers a lot a, a lot, which is not unprecedented, but it's not really supposed to happen. Um, I was listening to John Kiriakou about this, and he was saying uh that, you know, it appears that uh the whistleblower actually was able to uh he put this through the chain of command after, uh, you know, this all had transpired and he was just kind of like looking at some stuff in the secret computer. It's like, it's, it's like a, it's like a really secure computer in the national security council, uh, building. And it's only one computer and it's, it's got like the most secure data in it, like code word level data. And, you know, this is not something that typically would go in there. This, it, it, this appears like it was, uh, you know, well, it's, it, it's more try, classified to, than it should be. Right, and they're, they're trying, trying to, to hide bury it. it. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, that's definitely something, you know, that we need to be keeping an eye on. Um, I don't know what's going on with this whistleblower. It appears that he's still uh, working for the CIA. Um, I don't know if he's going to be prosecuted because he did go to the chain of command and he didn't pass on classified information to, uh, you know, any press or anything like that, which is, you know, the more high profile kind of. Uh, stuff that's been going on here. So but, if I understand this correctly, is is the whistleblower complaints that the Trump administration was misclassifying information? Is that what it was? Or was it the content of the call? Well, I think uh, what it is, is the content of the call. But I think that uh, if you if you combine the content with the call with, you know, this uh, classifying of information, that shows like a guilty conscience. What's the word for it, Joe? Mm -hmm. The The Latin word for guilty conscience? Oh, uh, I have no idea. You're the fucking law student. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, am, I am so anti-Latin in like legal text. Okay, I can go on a rant about every, okay? <laughs> about de novo, Nola contender, uh, all of that, okay? I'm just not a fan, okay? <laughs> but yeah, it kind of shows that, you know, like they were trying to keep this secret because they knew it was wrong, you know? So that's kind of uh, something to keep it keep in mind like i mean i'm not saying this isn't serious i mean it is kind of serious but let's like put it in perspective of all the other serious stuff that trump has done right so you know and and you, you know i i think the american people hate saudi arabia for a fucking pretty good reason i hate them too and i think that if you focus uh, impeachment on that i think it's a political winner yeah i think you just broaden it out as far as you can and just see what sticks i mean like it's like you know with al capone you know they didn't, right. it wasn't, it wasn't like they intentionally went after him for tax evasion. That was just one of the things that was easy to stick. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's just. And also, I think that focusing this on uh, the Ukraine is also just it really sends a bad message to um, in any in any type of like foreign politician in, in this position, because we're saying that, hey, you know, you can do all the things Trump has done and we will not touch you. We won't even approach it. But, you know, when when it comes to trying to influence a foreign foreign government, then we'll touch you sometimes. 
only if it's a person not in our party. So, uh, you know, I just think that, you know, this completely, the Pelosi just dropping the ball on impeaching and uh, everything else is just completely opening the door for, you know, the t- these type of power abuses to happen in the future. Because why would another Republican president, you know, when they see an opening and not do the exact same thing? You know, you give an inch, they'll take a mile. So, so let's try and play this out. Um, I mean, we've started an impeachment inquiry, I guess, now. Uh, do we think it's actually going to go to the House for an impeachment vote? I think so. Yeah. The House, yes. Um, and I, I believe that everyone's probably in agreement on where exactly this is going to end up in the Senate. Because McConnell doesn't even do like normal day to day like bill passing, let alone like monumental. Do you bill, think he bill even passing. puts it to a vote? No, <laughs> no, he doesn't. Probably he doesn't not. bring it to a vote. Absolutely not. There's a zero percent chance of that happening. Can not even the majority leader do that? Can not he just hold up an impeachment vote? I don't know if he can. Mm. I think he can. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, also like, let's be real. This is Mitch McConnell. Him doing the unprecedented is uh, not far out of reach. Yeah, like this entire uh, this entire presidency. Actually, no. Ever since I would say that beginning with Obama's presidency, it's a you know I didn't know that they could do that. <laughs> just over and over and over and over. It's like we could just not vote on a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. I'm not counting on uh, Mitch McConnell to do what's expected of him. Even if it goes to the Senate and it's brought up to a vote, I don't think they'll impeach. I don't think that'll happen. Yeah, there's it'll, no way the Senate's impeaching Trump. I mean, he's the most he's the most popular Republican president in the history of all Republican presidents. There's well, no at least way since they started measuring that. Yeah, yeah. When did they start measuring it? Like, who 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 did he beat? He. I'm Ronald, surprised he they, beat they Reagan. Me- no, they did measure it for Reagan. He beats Reagan. That's terrifying. It is uh, terrifying, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. It's scary. But that just goes to show that, like, you shouldn't be going for centrist voters. You should be going for people who don't vote because— Or or can't vote uh, right right now, you know? Right, exactly. Expand the electorate. Get people out. Because, look, these are a fucking small sliver of the population. They just have, like, an uh, um, exorbitant amount of power because they fucking live in the middle of nowhere, most of these people. Like, that's literally the only reason. So, if and, and I mean, obviously, like, white supremacy and all of its uh, institutions, you know, backing that shit up. But, yeah, like, that's kind of, like, the root of all this. And if we can fucking just expand the electorate and get people out to vote, then, uh, you know, we won't have to fucking deal with these fucking ghouls. Yeah. Do you think, uh, quick question going around, do you think impeachment... Uh, net gain or net loss for Democrats. It's going to be a net loss the way they're fucking doing this shit. I mean, I think it'll be a. I think it'll be a net gain. I mean, if <laughs> unless too unless much they, faith in the Dems, unless they fuck it up, uh, which Pelosi absolutely will. I, yeah, I think it's safe <laughs> to say that there's that they probably will. I don't know. There, there are a lot of people speculating on whether or not, like, it's this is a good idea to move forward with impeachment. Um, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people seem to think that it's going to help, uh, that it's going to hurt Democrats and help Republicans. Uh, but I mean, Bill Clinton was impeached uh, in the '90s, but you know, Republicans still managed to take the presidency in the next term. Um, His approval rating at the time did go up, though. And while, you know, he was being impeached, he wasn't up for, he didn't lose a re-election. He was a two-term president still. And he, he Al Gore lost because he was a fucking shitty candidate. You know, like, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, if, 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 if Bill Clinton would have been able to run again, he probably would have won because that's what his poll numbers say. And so just, I mean... If the it, like I said, if the Democrats are doing it my way, it, it, I think it would be a political winner. But they're just not going to do it that way, so it's just not going to work. Yeah, I think it matters more on just who, which candidate the um, the Democrats eventually come out with more so than um, than, impe- than impeachment because um, what's going on in Congress right now, you know, the right candidate will be able to you know st- you know still drive down down ticket races um but i think if biden is in there you know it's going to become another game of like who's more corrupt you know and as we see that just drives down depression and you know it completely you know benefits the republicans so <clears throat> i mean i say do it because like what the fuck else are they doing like you're sitting on your hands you're not doing you're not doing a green new deal you're not doing anything to reform labor you're not doing anything with health care you're not doing anything. And none of that 
stuff's gonna get, like even if uh, you know even if they were, it's like no, that stuff's mm. gonna get through the Senate anyway. So make exactly. make some things. It kind of exactly. They're 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 stuck between a rock and a hard place. They have to impeach now. Mm-hmm. Like they just have to, and I mean they should have done it like a while ago. But I mean, like you. <sighs> I think uh, what we're seeing with the National Security Squad is that certain the Democratic Party people are seeing that they can sort of shape this for a career builder for them. So I do think that this is going to be a win for a lot of centrist Democrats in five years if we're still here. Um, or that's, that's, you know, that's, that's the shape they're trying to make it now. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, um, I mean. I don't even necessarily think, like, looking at Pelosi especially, I don't necessarily think, like, landing a Democrat in in the White House is even what they even want anymore, right? Um, that's Especially people like Pelosi are still going to win, even when they're, I mean... They want to fundraise against Trump forever. Yeah, yeah. And and those are the stakes, I think, for those of us, you know, who are Bernie bros, right? Those are the stakes, is that um, they're winning even when they're losing elections. Yeah. I mean, I think most top Democrats and everyone involved in, like, the Democratic Party infrastructure, uh, they would fucking love to have Trump reelected. Because it's another, it's another four years that they don't have to govern or take responsibility. Um, and another four years that they can just point and say, look how bad he is. You should, you know, you know, give us money because he's so bad. Yeah, and also because of our, you know, complete lack of a revolving door, you know, um, policy. These people who lose elections, if they win, they're rich. If they lose, they may be even richer. You know, all these, you know, like that's why it doesn't, there, there are no, they have no, um, you know, skin in the game because, you know, they end up <clears throat> leading one of these, you know, one of these 90 think tanks or consultant agencies or be- becoming a lobbyist, you know, and it's like the, the game they're playing up there is completely disconnected from any anything uh, the normal people are doing or, or organizers. And yeah. Yeah. The CIA Spook Squad is like, or Spook Squad is like a uh, perfect example because basically like, uh, they're just so out of touch that they think like Ukraine is like a winning issue just because like in their geopolitical like uh, you know there's just their worldview Ukraine is like so important because it's like our uh, you know front line against Russia but like the majority of people don't care about that that Khashoggi murder had was like fucking national headlines for weeks and we're not fucking trying to lean on like Saudi Arabia at all um, I want to ask you this, actually, since you're really good with uh, international relations. So, do you think there's something with the with this new squad that has to do with maybe making claims to to national security? It seems to me like they're kind of making a coalition to say the president can't do this sort of thing or sort of stake their claim in shaping um, things in Eastern Europe. Well, that's kind of that's kind of like what the Democrats have kind of been doing uh, from day one, right? They've been t- attacking Trump from the right in terms of like the political, uh, like the yeah. world, the world poli- on the world stage. What and about with this issue with actually the money? Like, maybe we should talk about the money we're actually supposed to be or not supposed to be giving to Ukraine. Because, like, do what? What does Slotkin want? Do, what does she? Would if she were in charge of this money, right? Like, does she want to be funding? Well, Ukraine is a NATO ally, and typically, like the she Democrats also, like, and wants, Republicans, she wants to bomb the whole planet, right? Let's right. keep let's keep that in the back of our minds. Right, exactly. And so, Ukraine is just always going to uh, be a really important strategic. It just seems spot. like it was a, also a power struggle that had to do with their claims to, and also, you know, again, building their career as future national security. Uh, repeat national security advisors or whatever other thing, right? Well, that well here here's the thing. Like that's that that's the only way that you know these Democrats, these centrists feel that they can attack Trump is just attacking him from the right and just trying to be a warmonger and just like no, we need to send more money and weapons to our NATO allies and just keep ramping up escalations with Russia. Yeah, well, you know, to tie this back into the previous previous discussion about Biden, you know, I think that Slotkin's interests are definitely closely mirrored to. The, the same type of politics that see a Hunter Biden, you know, as a board member of a, you know, of energy firm, you know, they just want American, you know, oligarchs and, you know, serving these, these puppet positions as opposed to Russian oligarchs serving in these you know, puppet positions. So, <clears throat> you know, basically just like, you know, controlling, you know, the natural gas um, is just, 
that's definitely Slotkin's, I think, main main goal because that's you know she's a she's a CIA proxy. Yeah, because they ran like there was like what forty or something like that uh, CIA candidates that ran in twenty eighteen. Christ, it was like it was a ridiculous number. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like I think it's also like a broader. That's like like the scariest statistic I had never heard before. (laughs) Yeah, I, I I'm telling you that's their strategy. You know, it's really fucked up. Okay, the, no more insight than that. It's just fucked up. I think, uh, based on your comments, we can probably agree that um, the ruling class is controlling politics globally. Yeah, uh, yeah, they have been for quite a while. <laughs> Seems true. Well, I'm getting uh, kind of bored of this impeachment stuff. I'm so um, bored of it. <laughs> oh my god, it's going to be the longest year ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're still. We're I'm not already even exhausted. 2020 it's like day three. is going to be fucking wild. I knew 2019 <laughs> was going to be wild. I remember. I was just like, 2019 is just going to be the craziest motherfucking shit. Like, there's so much shit that's about to happen, and 2020 is probably just going to. It's going to ramp up. That's scary, and also. I don't know. It might be kind of funny too. Are we gonna remember any of this? I don't remember any of it. I like we, I'm starting to remember that you, stuff. You I'm starting to remember will, stuff big but time. But I will not remember any details about impeachment about Ukraine in like three months. It's funny because I don't remember anything from like the Obama era. Right? I was thinking, but that I learn too. about. The, but I learn about Obama like every day. And it's just like horrifying, right? But now I remember like every single little detail about Trump. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane, actually. Yeah. Uh, so, um, just I just looked this up. It was fifty-seven people running in the Democratic sorry. Uh, nomination. Underestimated their um, influence. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, fifty-seven that had um, intelligence and/or military backgrounds. I mean that that's just like overtly, right? Surely, like a number of other candidates were involved with the CIA in some capacity. Yeah, you know, like that's just officially, you know, how many people these people ran businesses, you know, that somehow, you know, always end up getting these military contracts, you know, and stuff like that. So, and it happens oh, yeah. on both, it happens on both sides. But you know, as we can see, again with with Hunter Biden and you know our you know former Governor Granholm, you know, she's a lobbyist now, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, it's just yeah. just just typical. A couple days ago, the uh, Detroit Free Press ran an article about uh, Rashida Tlaib and uh, her chances for re-election, which I thought was a pretty good article. Yeah, I agree. It was pretty, you know, fair. You know, I, what I liked about it is it placed um, the facts. It stated the opinions of like, you know, her detract, you know, some of her detractors, and then it, it placed it against what she was actually doing. You know, thousands of co- constituents, you know, um, letters, you know, um, written in, you know, dozens upon dozens of events. You know, she, she's just been constantly, you know, hitting the pavement, and um, you know, and. The, the attacks have just made her, uh, you know, a national, a national figure. She's not going to have any problem raising money. You know, she has an entire, you know, just giant, you know, grassroots crew that um, she's, you know, pretty, pretty well positioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she's been on the right side of a lot of things, and like, she was <clears throat> always pretty formidable. I mean, even when she was uh, in the state house in Michigan, she was formidable and always doing things on behalf of people. So she has that track record of being there. And like, it's, it's hard to face that down. I mean, uh, they had quite a few candidates last time and, and, and she, she fought hard to get that seat. It was not an easy win. Yeah. And I think that, you know, local, local journalism can still be off on it. It often is, but I think you definitely get a better quality of reporting from like a Detroit free press on something like this than you would from say the Washington post. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) that's, that's for sure. True. But you know, before we, uh, De- or go uh, give too much praise to the Detroit Free Press. <laughs> um, they did also run this story shortly. Maybe it was the same day. I don't know. From Mitch fucking album. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It was kind of like you know Michigan's Ross Douthit, like <laughs> something like some stupid ghoul like that. And uh, yeah, he basically said some stuff about like how oh Rashida Tlaib is just is just like Trump, you know, and this is kind of like, you know, that privileged white people shit that they always say, right? Is like, oh, well, think about it. Like, we're always arguing about politics. Do you remember even arguing about politics all the time during the Bush era? Like, yeah, we were fucking arguing. Bush was like super fucking unpopular and nobody fucking liked the Iraq war. And like, just like when you're fucking so like privileged and you just like, you know, are just like in your fucking, uh, you know, high ivory tower fucking writing for uh the detroit free press uh best-selling author mitch album right 
Like you get you get you get a fucking you get the fuck away with it just being like, hey, Rashida Tlaib, yeah, you, you're the same as Trump. You're, Wait, so is, is he yeah. arguing that she's that she's the same in, as him and that she's like really divisive? No, yeah, yeah because she used the word. He's really just the profanity makes you literally as bad as Trump. He's oh, really caught on the Jesus motherfucker. Christ. He's written multiple multiple you know um, articles about this. But as soon as I saw this pop up, you know, and met the the title, I knew that I was in for a ride. Um, <laughs> uh, Mitch album. The risky lure of Rashida Tlaib's angry T-shirt, okay. <laughs> which is so fucking typical, right? They're just like fucking freaking out about a T-shirt. Just something so stupid. How a T-shirt led me to Satan. <laughs> Give us that wholesome take, Mitch album. Thank you. I don't know. That headline was kind of sexy. <laughs> <laughs> It's a risky allure for sure. Yeah. First, first of all, please don't don't go click on this. Don't 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 do, do not read. Do not you know just let us take the by the bullet by the bullet on this one. Um, I don't know. You guys got some excerpts? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, ooh, I, I especially love the 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 formatting of this one. Um, Many read, it, of us, read it. Read it, sexy Joe. Oh, 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 many of us can remember our parents saying, "Don't think to their level when dealing with bullies." Former First Lady Michelle Obama made a reputation of the phrase, "When they go low, we go high." Uh, asterisk, you know, right before they went on to lose all three branches of governments. <laughs> Anyways, back to the article. None of this seems to take root with Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who last week showed her approach to President Trump's latest mess by announcing she would be selling the t-shirts that read, impeach the MF. And then he, he, he the paragraph break down for $29 a piece. <gasps> really? <laughs> I kind of want to get one. <laughs> I wasn't going to get one before I read this article. I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> all right. All right. But this is like in that long line of like uh, centrist, like out of touch elites that think they're making a point. It's kind of like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you saw this and you saw like that, like, uh, like uh, we're not going to vote for Warren or Bernie. We're going to go for Trump. You know, you saw that article. Too. Yeah, it's yeah, just like yeah. They think they're making a point when really like it. It's like an advertisement. Like this is an advertisement for Rashida. Like this yeah. is like this makes makes me like her more. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. So let's go a little easy on our local media, the Detroit Free Press, and go back to the uh, good article that they did. Um, what, probably my favorite part of the article was uh, this story uh, right here. Recently, Neil said that she was vacationing in Jamaica when she met two women from England who were talking about Trump and Prime Minister Boris Johnson. These women knew who Rashida was, and they thought she was amazing. And Neil, when uh, said Neil, uh, when people find out you live in the 13th district, it tends to come up. Like she's like an international superstar, mm-hmm. and you know, like she, she's got huge name recognition now. It says in the article, you know, it's like a kind of like you know Detroit. Uh, truism in politics that you know if one person's going to challenge a lot of people are going to challenge there's just no way when you know there's multiple challengers you know someone who's got that kind of name recognition somebody who's got over six hundred thousand dollars in the bank you know there's just no way Mm -hmm. that there's going to be a significant challenge i mean she's she's almost almost halfway to what she raised in last year's election which is 1.7 million and her um I mean, her main rival, uh, Brenda Jones, uh, she only raised two hundred and seventy grand, and she had like all of the establishment backing. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think sometimes it's a mistake to to look at the kind of visibility of uh, these these figures and think that that's going to translate to power. But also, her constituents just love her. So yeah, like it, th- this sort of reminds me, you know, moving a little bit western and uh, you know to our district. Um, Alyssa Slotkin was on a CNN panel. They're, of course, they were taking shots at Rashida. You know, um, Jake Tapper saying, you know, do you think that they're making this uh, issue uh, not as serious? Um, which by being the, the very first person to propose it and having your stolen from but whatever jake <laughs> but and then slotkin says you know well you know i know people back in my um you know back in my district you know wouldn't want me to take part in you know in this type of you know discourse i'm just like use a goddamn lie because i'm in your fucking district right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> shut your ass up okay <laughs> 
I'd much rather have Rashida as my rep than, than Alyssa. Oh, Are you kidding? Yeah. Alyssa is real <laughs> confident about having one just because everybody hates Mike Bishop. Yeah. Like, she thinks that means we're centrist, that we don't like Mike Bishop. Right. It's a it's a failure to understand like where your votes are. Because you get a lot of her votes from Ingham County, which is not exactly like a bastion of like yeah. centrism. You know, it's just, it's just not so yeah. Also, um, <laughs> I just want. Okay, sorry. One more, one more excerpt from from the job about, about Rashida. Okay, <laughs> he says we're starting to act like Trump. Oh, you, yeah, are, uh, <laughs> you are what you allow yourself to become, and when elected officials like Taleb take to selling MF in quotes to make a point, and we celebrate that, we become more and more like the very administration that is being protested. <laughs> and here's the kicker. Yes, I know angry people are tired of being told that civility is important, just as children are are, tire, uh, are get tired of being told to go to, to go to sleep. Oh, fuck you. That doesn't mean the message is wrong. <laughs> oh, my God. How patronizing can you be? <laughs> oh, my goodness. He, he's telling the entire... I know you're tired of being told that you're acting like a child, but you're acting like a child. <laughs> it's all the same with these people. And, you know, like, I can't. These people better not rewrite history and take out Rashida Tlaib, who on her first day in Washington said, impeach the motherfucker. We won't allow it. I'd like to just say that Alyssa Slotkin doesn't get to talk about children ever because she voted for that goddamn ICE funding bill, which kept children in cages and kept that whole thing going. Yeah, in fact, four out of the five uh, National Security Squad all voted for the ICE amendment. So uh, that's your. <laughs> Checks out. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, is, that is what national security is supposed to mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. National security means breaking in on private uh, prison uh, profit or uh, donations, basically. Uh, public prison, you know, why not? Can the public prison? I don't think public prisons can be donating to. Uh, maybe unions well, can. Well, I, oh, prison con, unions con, are basically you know, and things, yeah, right? Yeah. I don't like the. I don't even like when the left really talks that much about private prisons because it's like it's like a distraction from the fact that public prisons are also. Really well, bad. I'm just I'm just trying to I'm bringing in like you know like the uh, the election campaign finance yeah. Yeah. aspect into it, and that yeah. that's more of like where you get the big money and campaign yeah. finances from those private prisons. Yeah, you know, Hillary Clinton had to give back um, her money because she got so much heat for it from right. um, I think it was the CCA, which has been re um, renamed, I think. The geo, the geo, you know, they, they're, they're constantly changing the name and trying to rebrand themselves. Um, but she will find one that works. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, it, it, the private, the private prison influence is, you know, definitely another thing that's on, on both sides of the aisle. And I do agree with you, um, Ricky, that, you know, public prisons are not, <laughs> not that much better. So, right. you, yeah, know, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, you know, we, we just have to, you know, um, you know, deal with this, you know, um, commodifying of you know uh, hu- human labor. Um, so, does anyone think any of the squad members will lose re-ele- the real squad? By the way, uh, will lose re-ele- uh, re-election or, or at risk? Most vulnerable mm-hmm. would probably be Presley. Probably, yeah. Well, she's like, I mean, the least popular. Like, she's not nearly as popular as mm-hmm. like. Uh, or like at least like nationally known mm-hmm. as AOC, Ilan Omar, or Rashida mm-hmm. Tlaib. Yeah. She's also the most centrist, right? Is that true? That's She's closer sense. to the center than any of she, them. She yeah. like her worst vote is probably that BDS vote yeah. so far. Mm-hmm. That one was act- that that one's pretty unforbidable. Like like th- like that's the First Amendment right there, you know. But uh, I got faith on her. She'll probably uh, figure out that. It doesn't matter if she votes that way. Like the Israeli lobby is still going to probably primary her. So, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, do you think I should run against Alyssa Slotkin? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. That'd be well, amazing. An- announcing my candidacy. <laughs> here it is. We buried the lead, guys. It's here. Ricky's She's coming the, to save us. She is from the CIA, so I advise getting life insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a union, so I have life insurance. Hey. Oh, you're in a union? Oh. <laughs> You, uh, Watch well, your back. If you're, you're going to run against uh, against Representative Slotkin, you should probably get one of those devices uh, that you use to like sweep your house for bugs. <laughs> <laughs> Have someone you don't like that much start your car every morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
few days ago on Thursday, the Senate voted to confirm Trump's nominee for uh, the Department of Labor. Uh, not, we've, we've actually mentioned him on the show once before. Uh, son of uh, former Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, Eugene. Um, fucking Eugene. Uh, this dude is a fucking... Uh, corporate lawyer and he's a real piece of shit uh just uh, just some examples of the things that he did one when he was uh when he was a partner at uh gibson dunn and crutcher he uh eliminated the department of labor's fiduciary rule freeing investors to pocket money at the expense of working people's retirement accounts uh he sued the government repeatedly on behalf of big banks to unravel dodd frank consumer protection rules uh he defended ups against widespread discrimination claims, uh, killing a major class action lawsuit filed under the Americans with Disabilities Act. He advocated for Walmart and other large corporations to not have to contribute to their to their own employees' health care plans. He represented... Um, he represented casino mogul Steve Wynn when he was accused of stealing tips from his Las Vegas employees. Um, Jesus Christ. Perfect for Trump. Are you kidding me? How did he not get hired sooner? And he argued that SeaWorld had no responsibility for the violent death of one of its orca trainers, blaming the victim instead. I, uh, wow. I thought you were going to forget SeaWorld. You know that Brett Kavanaugh well, was kind of offered the, the dissenting opinion on that yes, case. Yes, he was. Uh, the 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 uh, the very uh, Supreme Court justice that uh, Trump uh, nominated, Brett Kavanaugh, was one of the dissenting opinions on that case. Right. I spent some time in Westlaw with Eugene this week, just uh, trying to size up uh, law student, yeah. um, trying to <laughs> trying to size up his career a little bit and see if I agree with the takes that people are offering. I think I would say I agree with everything you just said about him. Um, yeah, I, th- I think uh, Eugene Scalia, however, might be Trump's first good lawyer, uh, unless like you count competent? Elizabeth Lo- unless you count <laughs> Elizabeth Warren. So uh, he didn't necessarily win all of that, but he did he did win actually uh, quite a lot of that. William Barr is pretty good too. Yeah, yeah. I'm so fair fu- enough. I'm so furious because I I didn't even know that Antonin Scalia had a son until like a couple he weeks has ago. Like, uh, he had like sixteen sons. Why? Why? <laughs> no. Catholic. It's like when spiders lay Big eggs. Italian boy. Do you have to answer why he has 17 children? Eugene no, has um, a whole bunch also, and they were like lined up behind him in the hearings. And every single, you know, every single question began with, I'm so glad you're. 10,000 children are here with us. And, uh, I watched like a good hour and a half of that shit. I'm like really, I'm like really, really into masochism. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, try, I'm actually trying to like pirate myself a, a law degree, actually. That's, <laughs> what That's the way to do it. Like, by learning C-span. from the best. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, just read some John Woo and you'll get there. If you, if you just, if you, if you, if you, if you like John Woo, you can just do whatever you want. You know, he, he said a, a couple of things that, um, were interesting to me over the course of, I don't know, the last week or two months or something. One of the things that he said was that, um, you know, he defended all these corporate clients, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he agrees with them, which, you know, that sounds like lawyer talk to us, but not to, not to like trash Warren again. But when she, you know, was called upon for the things that she did for specifically Dow Corning and um, the asbestos cases, big asbestos, um, she, you know, there was this article, I, I can pull it up. Um, one of her representatives had kind of explained how actually when she worked for corporate, um, for corporate, Sorry, for corporate clients, um, she was actually trying to uh, help both sides because she was looking for what they both wanted, which was to settle the case. Like That's what her representative said, right? So, it's interesting to me that we have this case where he was like, well, I was just doing my job, right? And she repeatedly has tried to justify that working for Dow Corning was like the ethical thing to do. Um, All right, I gotta stop. I gotta stop you right there. Like, you cannot be smearing the front runner against Trump right now. (laughs) (laughs) 
Thanks, Alex. <laughs> How dare you bring up a valid yeah, okay. I, I, and I, I, everybody, I, I want to be clear that I, that I don't actually think his work, her work, is as bad as his. But it's interesting the way that we're framing these. Both are the they were both anti labor lawyers for in some capacity for most of their careers, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, Ricky, how long have you hated Native Americans? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it kind of reminds me of uh, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand. Uh, she got a lot of shit because she spent a lot of her early career as a as a as a lawyer for uh, tobacco companies. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, it's really villainous. There are some things that are more villainous than others, and that's yeah. asbestos, SeaWorld, and tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, watch Devil's Advocate. You know, when you. When you uh, defend villains, that shit will come for you. I feel like ninety percent. There's very few um, like lawyer professions, and let, and let, even if working in an administrative agency, that's probably the the most um, like I guess morally, you know, I would say where you're not. But if you're like suing people back and forth, or you're if you're a public defender, you, you may end up having to like defend like a, a, just a brutal murderer. You know, if you're you know on a corporate firm, you know you may need to you know. But you know, you take those jobs, and you know if you if you decide to work for some of these these worst like industries in the world, like you can't really separate yourself from you know the effect that they have. So like you know, th- like we're looking at like Kamala's prosecutor, you know, like um, in another just awful, awful legal role. And it's like even if you're working in some of these roles, you can do better than what you're than what you're doing, you know. And Elizabeth Warren, like working for working for Dow, it's like some of the that's one of the most evil companies right, right beside like you know like Philip Mar- Like what's the most evil companies that we can? It's think literally of? Dow Chemical Company. <laughs> that, that's it. Like right. Comcast, like up there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> IBM. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like there's there's like levels of evil, and like that's like. Right at the very, very, yeah, very precise. I'm not the one in law school here, but I, um, I don't, you know, I don't actually believe that defending a murderer is actually, you know, that's a morally good thing to do, right? Being a defense attorney in every case, um, and also you're like not becoming a millionaire by doing that. Amazingly enough, um, in most cases, um, defending the right murderers. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I retract that. I mean, I, can, I think I there's a difference between <laughs> choosing to become a public defender mm. and, in some cases, having to defend murderers, mm. and then in choosing to become a corporate lawyer yeah. and like defending some of like the worst like atrocities yeah. that you know and, corporations have committed yeah, and against the public. Like, yeah, and acting power like, dynamics. Yeah, 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 and you know, and acting like you know, um, these 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 are usually the uh, the apolitical people. You know, <laughs> again, you know, just just following orders. You know, it's like it's like a corporate version of that. Yeah. <laughs> right. I just, yeah, I, I don't know. I th- I think maybe I'm a bit def- um I'm a bit of a lawyer uh, apologist, I guess. Um, and so I, you know, I th- I think it's all sort of the same, right? Like it, it's a it's a methodology for kind of navigating and interpreting like our political system. Um, and so I I don't necessarily even like hate on somebody for taking like a really shitty job, but there's a difference. Between doing that and then you know leveraging it politically, um, and there's also I mean there also I guess are some like really evil examples right so so this type this type of law that Scalia has done has political long lasting consequences right that are that are on the books that affect us today. Um, I mean, he's I, definitely going to go after labor. I mean, as you see, like the resurgence of labor, this is yeah, going, yeah. This is a counter th- th- that's to that. like my big, you know, point in wanting to talk about this is like, do you guys think that he's, you know, this confirmation process has been going on for a few months? It can't really be a coincidence that it was like this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. That they, I mean, maybe it can. I don't know. This might it's be pretty convenient. This might be like the worst. Um, like this or no? Okay, hold up. This is like a really weird, like, uh, or it's it's definitely not the worst, but it's a very bad and very weird kind of, uh, well, like the Epstein like scandal kind of caused this, right? Like it yeah, forced it Alex did. Acosta, yeah. I'm, I'm you know, glad to, you fit to that resign, in there. right? <laughs> so yeah, like I mean, it it it, it is just kind of weird, just like you know how like bad things kind of like 
domino into other bad things and we're not even fucking talking about epstein how creepy is that guys that that was like six years ago right (laughs) (laughs) like no one's talking about it we just forgot about it that shit disappeared from the news really quick yeah i wonder why the the last relevant thing i heard was uh epstein's lawyer accidentally admitted that uh his you know that epstein (laughs) like had sexual underage girls and that was it where's his fucking madame Jislene Maxwell. Hmm? Jislene Maxwell. His madame. Bro, Did- I did not sign on for this. <laughs> this not on Where is she, bro? Agenda. We- Her father is like a fucking like superstar I, I massage agent. You, it's insane. I handed you the Epstein entrance to this, and I just let you run away with it. I mean, it yeah, had we to don't. Be done. We don't have Epstein on on the rundown here, Alex. <laughs> But I, listen, listen, I want to br- bring this back these are, because these questions need answers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, you're like the dude, like is constantly bringing up like how nine level was inside job. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really who killed not, Epstein? <laughs> I'm not trying to like dampen your conspiracist spirit because I, I do think you're right. Yeah. I mean, but I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Flight logs <laughs> don't melt steel beams, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we are so far off the rails. You can't even see the track. <laughs> well, we, were, we were on the topic. Of I, the- I can't believe it's been this difficult to get four men on a podcast to talk about a Scalia. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're we're we don't have a ton of time left. Um, so we're on. Um, while we were on the subject of the Department of Labor, uh, let's talk about some of the um, some of the happenings with the labor movement across the, across the U.S. Uh, some interesting stuff is happening. Uh, the Chicago Teachers Union uh, voted this last Thursday to authorize a strike if no deal is reached in contract negotiations. Um, Union officials uh, believe it took that strike vote for the board to offer a more serious proposal uh, this last Friday. But members of the CTU bargaining team said the latest proposal is serious, but still inadequate and failed to address classroom overcrowding and chronic understaffing. Uh, the CTU <clears throat> the CTU president, Jesse Sharkey, said uh, it's almost as if they're daring us to strike over these issues. So, um, if I can take over from that a little. Um, yeah, please do. So, we saw, we saw the University of Chicago nurses walk out last week. Um, Bernie was there, right? Um, right? Am I right? He was there? Yeah. Yeah, sure. okay. Um, but we've all, what we've also seen over the past week is two other... Um, Votes to strike that did that were settled, right? So in um, with Kaiser, mm-hmm. um, in a bunch of Western states, and also what as of I think last night, I haven't actually been following the news closely, but the um, public universities of Oregon had voted to strike, but they had accepted a contract um, as of a few hours ago, um, and this that was actually uh, support workers for I think six or seven universities in Oregon that were planning to strike, um, but have accepted a contract offer. I th- I think um, as of a few hours ago. And that that one's actually pretty interesting because on the you know on the table with a lot of these is is literally just a contract, right? That's what this is about. And the it's kind of I'm not I don't want to open this with something depressing, but you know the the concessions that we, you know what we win is very small um, mm-hmm. in these cases. Um, and so I I'm thinking really closely about what's what the potential that um, CTU has and also as well GM. We can talk about what's going on still with GM um, to to maybe raise the stakes a little. I guess that's what's on my mind. Sure. Yeah. Because I mean, a lot of times like, a, like a win in some of these cases is merely keeping yeah. with what you had. It's barely. I don't even think it was cost of living in the Oregon contract. It was just raises, like step wages, right? Um, So another thing worth mentioning is that uh, the NLRB has issued a decision, or um, it's a they proposed a rule to. unrecognized graduate student employees as um, employees, which was, it's not really a repeal. It's just a new rule that would kind of take, essentially um, reverse the rule that had been put in place a few years ago that said that graduate student employees are workers when they work. Um, but this, this is, <laughs> this is a, um, w this, word. this actually is still proposed and I, I think it's open for comment as well, which is worth noting. 
Um, but the stakes of that are pretty interesting if you look at like what just happened in California with um, Assembly Bill 5, right? With the gig workers um, recognized as not contract workers. Um, and some of this overlaps with what we're talking about with the UAW and GM right now. I don't know if you guys have picked up on this issue of mis- misclassification. Right, it's um, because of the temporary workers. Right, right. So this, this, all of these things, and I think this came up in a few of the other contracts this week. All of these things had that issue of um, sort of contracted employees or misclassification. Yeah, it's basically just tricks for capitalists to not give their uh, employees benefits because they'll be like, "Oh, well, they're not like full time employees." Right, right. Or, or to divide divide the the bargaining union. I as was well. stuck. I was stuck in that trap at one of my old jobs, actually. You know, where you're, you're acting as a temp status, and they're like, "We'll, we'll switch you to full time next month or in the right. next quarter." We just don't have the we don't have the, we have the funds for it right but now. But you spend like four years there, and you're With still no a benefits. Temp. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know that uh, Dana Nessel has kind of advanced. Have you been following this? What is this called? Um, the payroll fraud investigation. In, I think it's it's a project that I think came out of her, where it basically is it's a it's a similar issue where it's looking at misclassification of people as contracted workers or workers as contracted workers, um, and then like seeking to penalize employers for. For you know, misclassifying. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting, maybe to contrast like her approach to that versus like a bill that says that some people are workers. Um, I don't. I thought maybe some of you might know a little bit more about that than than I do. What did I say about putting your thoughts out? <laughs> That's right too, Joe. <laughs> no, actually, I'm I'm not familiar with this. Could you? Uh, yeah, I was really I was really hoping that you guys would know more. I than think I, I would. heard some. About yeah, that. so um, I can pull it up. So it's called the um, payroll fraud. Investigation, and I think it was launched this year. Um, and basically, it looks—it's a mechanism for looking at. I googled that, and it, that's a little bit of a broad, uh, broad statement. Um, yeah, it's a me- mechanism for tracking employers to see when they're classifying um, employees as contracted workers, so that they can avoid like wage rules or whatever the situation might be. But it's through doing like a fraud investigation rather than necessarily any kind of. Um, maybe like rank and file approach, or as in California where we had a, a law. Um, so, so I just pulled up the website that it's on under the Department of the Attorney, Attorney General website, and one of the things it says is, "Here's how we're cracking down on these scams." So, well, I mean, it's scams now. Yeah, it's it's really like a temporal thing because yeah. you know the sounds what, like a half measure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, they are all half measures. Yeah. Here's the thing: like right. you got you have to do both, and even more than that, because the thing with like any type of lawsuits, you have to wait until wrongdoing actually occurs, and then, so it's mm-hmm. it, it's very reactive, you know, despite its very nature. And then even when you do even if you do end up, you know, winning some of these um, these lawsuits and they are found, then there's a problem of actually, like, you know, collecting restitution. And then, you know, with bills, it's like, you know, if, even if this is passed in the law, you know, we need to make sure that any type of, um, you know, legislation or anything or new or new rules are going to be uh, retroactive too, because right. you know you have so many, um, you know, things that happen. Like <clears throat> this, just to sort of put this analogy to like criminal um, criminal justice, you know, when ev- all um, when Eric Holder, you know, cleared in um, it was uh, three strikes, the three, three strikes, I believe, it was re- recently. Mm-hmm. So three strikes are mandatory minimums, but the fact like. They issued the uh, attorney general, you know, issued this directive, but there's so many people that were already convicted that were still behind bars and not receiving the benefits, um, you know, the benefits of this, um, you know, this new rule. So, you know, in the case of, of labor, we need to, you know, ensure that the people who have already been wronged, you know, and, you know, <clears throat> Like the, the the amount of like lost labor, I was reading articles like definitely in like the t- uh, the tens of billions of dollars nationally of just like payroll fraud. So um, yeah, you know you know you need, you need to do both. There's no there's no Especially, way. To, I mean, like with our um, state, like we don't have like a with passing bills like next. To impossible. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. what she did. This is you know enforcement of, of, of laws yeah, that theoretically laws. exist, but mm-hmm. um, it seemed a little bit. I don't know, a little technocratic in some ways, maybe to me. Um, and it's just really, in- it's funny to me that we make this about like fraud and scams when it's actually that's just like that's just bosses. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Um, and also, just to bring this locally, um, this is somewhat similar to what's going on with the with CATA right now. I don't actually know where um, the drivers are in their um, contract negotiations, but what happened was CATA brought on a lot of workers and contracted through kind of an international um, corporation, and they voted to form a union. So there's two ATU unions, I think, just two in CATA representing two different types of workers in CATA. But last I knew, Transdev, this corporation, has not recognized that contract or has not negotiated with them over a contract. So um, we have the the function of that right is like you have like a huge chunk of the workforce in this employer. With le- with fewer rights, fewer protections, less money, etc., and then they're you know weaker because they're divided. It's funny how we keep saying that <laughs> <laughs> we're always being divided, becoming weaker. That's that's the strategy though. That's what they've been doing forever. I hope I'm properly representing all of those struggles. I I feel like I, you did a very okay. good job. Thank yeah, you. Rick. I'm I'm working really hard on it. Well, if we okay, uh, okay. go back and look at the tape and you were wrong, we'll just cut okay, it all yeah. out. <laughs> do you, do you uh, have a fact checker on staff? Uh, uh, we just we have, an, we have an opening. Off. Do you want to apply? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could definitely use one. I feel like I had someone rec- recently uh, offer to do something like that. I can't remember who the fuck it can was. We get one of them, were... Can we get one of them, sl- I mean, uh, unpaid interns? You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, guys, if we, if we get, like, popular, even just, like, a little bit, people will just start, like, getting in our mentions. Like, it's... you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's me when I listen to podcasts. It's really important to me that I'm right, so. We, we need an entire legion of unpid interns. What we need. If you want to apply, go to statetherevolution.com. That's not a real uh, URL, no, is it? Uh, we, we should definitely do, get it. We do have, we do have state of the revolution at gmail.com. Um, so if you want to uh, send your emails to Ben, yeah. I, I think that we should be listening to public comment because I keep asking you guys what people want to hear about, and you none of you care. Reach out to us, guys. <laughs> we we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. No one ever fucking sends us any messages about or anything. Listen, Ricky, we're lonely. Okay. We're like just like please 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 harass us. We don't have we have any haters. We don't have any haters yet. It's like should I get rid of this uh troll on our Facebook page? I'm like, no. You wanna cut our Facebook page in half? I I do think your problem is you're maybe not controversial enough. So Alex I don't know, but last episode I was like praising Hezbollah. So. <laughs> I think uh, he, was eating, he, was eating, he was eating pineapple pizza too at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we got to wrap this shit up now. We're we're out of time. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to our show on uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called, uh, where you can rate and review us. You can also subscribe on Spotify and Google Play, Pocket Cast, wherever else you get podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at uh, SOTR Pod. Get in our mentions and tell us what we're doing wrong. Um, <laughs> you can also like us on Facebook at State of the Revolution. And uh, if you enjoy our show, I mean, if you feel like you get anything out of it, you know, please consider uh, contributing on Patreon. Patreon at patreon.com slash Michigan Progressive. Uh, I'm Benjamin Klon. Zachary Reinhardt. Joseph Hardy. Ricky Reynolds. And Alex Sahori. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll be back next week. Bye. See ya.